0: If you work with children with speech sound disorders, this episode is a can't miss episode. We are talking multimodal cues, and they are so powerful and improving outcomes when treating speech sound disorders. The secret behind multimodal cueing is the order in which you fade these cues out. We are going to use a most to least prompting strategy in which we maintain 80% accuracy. The secret behind this is we're going to use all five cues that we're going to talk about in a moment as a starting point, and we're going to remove the cues one at a time, always maintaining an 80% accuracy level. So let's start with the five cues. When I'm explaining it to parents, I like to hold up five fingers in my hands, and I like to explain to start, I'm going to give your child every tool in my toolbox and these tools are as follows number one slowed unison choral speech we are going to talk together at zero miles an hour Number two, the second cue that we're going to be using is touch tactile cues. So I preferred self tactile, in which the child is, for instance, touching their own lips to make sure that their lips are together for the B sound, or they're touching their own under the chin to make sure that their tongue is sticking out for the TH sound. These are self tactile cues. I don't like to put my hands on the child because I don't want the child to be dependent on me to produce the sounds correctly. And I also want the child to feel that they are in control of their speech, not another person. So the third cue that I'm going to be using is very powerful. It's the temporal cues. And these temporal cues are also referred to as gestural cues. And that's where you're moving your fingers and your limbs in space to show the child what to to do with the mouth. So when what you do with your hands and what you do with your fingers, because of entrainment, the body and the mouth being connected, the mouth is going to follow. So an example of a gestural cue is the angry dog teeth R. I take my hands out to the side and I uh, pull them out to the side and I pull them apart because I want the lips to retract as well. I don't want the lips to round into a W. So I pull the hands out to either side and the lips will follow. That's an example of a temporal cue. Another example is holding up one finger, your index finger, your or your pointer finger, and you're making a snake sound and you're doing the and you're swirling it around and around. The finger indicates the thinness of which the airflow escapes. It going around and around is showing how it's continuous like a snake. Your fingers are doing what your mouth is doing because of entrainment. So these are called gestural or temporal cues. Those are the third type of cues. I consider these to be very powerful when you take out speech because of the connection with the body and the mouth. We've actually done research with temporal cues when it came to literacy, and they were more powerful than picture cues. The next type of cue is a visual cue. So when I'm talking about that snake sound, maybe I just hold the finger up in the air instead of moving it around and around to show a snake, to give the visual of a snake. Or maybe you have a picture of a snake to indicate the snake sound. Or maybe you just point to your smiling teeth to show a visual of this is how it's produced. The last type of cue is the imagery. So that's where we just say, let's see the snake sound. Your hands are together. Now you're not using your hands. You're using an image cue in which you say, don't forget your snake sound. Are you ready? And they're going to think about the snake sound. And in doing so, they're going to produce the cue themselves. So when you look at these five cues, the most restrictive of all that we need to fade as soon as possible First and foremost for every child I work with is the verbal there's many reasons for that. And we talked about that last week, but the very important reasons are one, self-efficacy. When you take away that verbal cue and the child is speaking by themselves, they feel like I'm in charge of my learning experience. I'm the teacher, which is so important. Second, executive function. If you are giving the verbal cue, you're getting the idea. You're making the motor plan. You're making the motor program and you're executing. Executing it. The child is just along for the ride. So you are doing the executive function, not the child. We know that children with speech sound disorders are statistically more likely to have executive function issues. A third major reason why is automaticity. So if you are doing the talking, the child is not mastering the skill. The child remains dependent on you to produce the skill accurately. We want to do the opposite of that for automization to occur, which is how generalization occurs. What you really want is the child to overlearn it and master it internally so that the child can produce it automatically across context. As long as the verbal skill is there, that is impossible. They cannot master or automatize it. Another reason why is verbal working memory. Verbal working memory is the ability to hold multiple pieces of language information, put it in order, and to speak it out. If you're providing the verbal cue, you're doing that for the child. So it's very important to stop talking to improve the child's verbal working memory. When you improve the child's verbal working memory, two things are happening. One, you're improving their language. Two, you're improving their speech. That's the beginning we have very evident in things such as multisyllabic words. A multisyllabic word is almost like remembering four separate words and putting them in order. You're also going to see a difference in CVC words. They're going to remember there's a beginning, a middle, and an end sound. You're going to see it in clusters. They're going to stop deleting clusters, and they're going to remember to produce all of the sounds in the cluster. So verbal working memory does not only improve language, it also improves speech. And as long as you're doing the talking, you're not challenging the child's verbal working memory, the child's ability to independently remember the linguistic pieces of information, put them in order and then say them. Okay. So the first cue we're going to get rid of is the verbal. So the way that that works is in the beginning, I give them every single cue simultaneously and I like to have them say a paragraph. The reason I like to have them say the paragraph is our research sounds found that you're going to get greater gains using a paragraph than you would if you're using a complex sentence and those are for reasons aforementioned about verbal working memory. I think that plays a big role in improving both speech and language. So, I have them say the paragraph and I give them every single cue to get through that paragraph. Now, as early as day two, I stop talking. So, I'm going to put my thumb down. I stop talking on day two and then I give them every cue, but without the speech. And I tell them, You're the teacher now, and I'm the student. There was that passing of the baton and self-efficacy being the most important goal of all. That's a huge moment in therapy. There's also all the other four things we just discussed that the child is going to benefit from us not talking. The second cue I like to fade is tactile. And that's because speech is a very quick, complex motor activity. And when we add tactile cues, such as for the B sound, putting our lips together and bringing our hands in front of our mouth to feel those lips together for children that have difficulty with lip closure, that takes a lot of time. It's a lot more time to close your lip to say because than it is simply to point to it And to to cue the because. So the second cue we're getting rid of is the tactile cue, the self-tactile, in which the child's touching their own face. And that's because it slows down speech. The third cue I'm going to get rid of is the very, very powerful temporal cue. So for instance, for that snake sound in which I'm moving the S around, just like I want that airflow to do in the tongue, I'm going to stop moving my hand. And I'm just going to hold up the snake and move to the visual. That's very powerful because that has the child then doing more of the motor planning and motor programming. When the limbs are moving, they assist in that and helping the tongue and the mouth know what to do because the limbs are already starting off the motion and helping with that motor planning and programming. When you stop giving the temporal cue, the child has more responsibility to figure out how am I going to say this and what muscles do I need to work together in order to get this to happen and how do I execute this? You don't have the assistance of seeing your limbs show them what to do in their mouth. Now, The next cue that we're going to get rid of is the visual cue. So instead of holding up my pointer finger to remind her to make the snake sound or pointing to my teeth at the big smile, I'm going to just put my hands together. So now they are really going to have to take the onerous of thinking of, okay, what is the word that I'm going to be saying? What is the motor plan? Where does my tongue and my, 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 or my mouth need to move in space? Motor programming, how am I going to move them together and make this happen in the execution? There's no visual assistance now because now we're just giving them the image. Okay, don't forget the snake sound. I want to hear a really loud snake and your hands are together. So, as you can see, that there's this passing of the baton in which you're taking away supports one after the next. We're always going to take away the most restrictive support of them all first, the verbal cue. And we're going to want to do it as soon as possible because these are the hardest to fade. They're also the most beneficial to fade out in terms of helping the child and their lead in their language and their speech and their executive function and their self-efficacy. So this is going to become very important to get rid of that verbal cue as quickly as you can while still ensuring there's 80% success. So as you can imagine, if I'm doing a paragraph, there's going to be times where I'm jumping in and there's going to be chimes when I'm jumping out. So for instance, with my paragraph, which is in my CIS membership or my book, scrape it to me. So it to me, the child probably knows, but they probably need help on the word scrape. So in the word scrape in the SKR blend, I might be doing all five cues at that time. And then I go back to no cues whatsoever and let them finish the sentence. I think of it as pairs figure skating, where there's those moves that require assistance, and there's moves that the skaters perform independently. And then at the end, you want to go totally independently, of course. Why is it that I keep the imagery cue? with my preschoolers, and that's because I'm working on SKR blends, three-element blends that typically aren't mastered between seven to eight years of age. Because of that, I'm not expecting the child to master SKR at the preschool level. We're not changing what's developmental. We're giving them imagery cues at that point to support them so that they can be 80% accurate, or maybe we're giving them a visual cue at that support, a visual and an imagery cue for the SKR blend. That's great. What we're doing by working on the SKR blend is we're working at a higher level. And the higher you aim, the higher the gains period and i'm saying this is the case we found with children across the continuum of speech sound disorders the children with dysarthria the children with childhood apraxia of speech the children with autism spectrum disorder the children with phonological processes and the children with articulation impairment across the board are going to show better great gains if you're working on a more complex cluster such as skr or such as skw if they can't produce the l or the r so that is where we're headed and we're always staying at this 80 percent accuracy level now that could change depending on the day the child could be tired one day the child could not be motivated because they don't like the activity they're just going through the motions if that's the case you might have to bring out all five cues that day Sometimes the child's right on and they're doing everything accurately, 100% motivated, 100% attention. And at that point, you're giving them no cues whatsoever. So it's a moment to moment dance. And that's what makes cueing so dynamic. So this is why I like to have the activity prepped and ready to go, because the magic happens in the moment to moment interactions in which you're 100% present and you are maximally effectively responding on a moment to moment basis. All right, I'm going to give you more support. I'm going to give you less support. I'm going to give you more support. I'm going to give you less support. So within one session, you could have five levels of cues go down to zero within a matter of couple of seconds back and forth. So that's what we're doing with multimodal cueing. If you want to learn how to multimodally cue using temporal cues and visual cues, I have a gift for you. If you go to kellyvest.com, I have for you, this is from my SIS membership, I just wanted to share it with everyone. I have from you treatment target cards that have me with a photograph showing you the visuals that we use for each of the speech consonants. I also have a videotape showing you in the videotape the temporal or gestural cues I use for each consonant. And lastly, I go through the paragraph and the cues that I use through my very highly effective complex treatment target paragraph. I have not found a better way to get better gains with children across speech sound disorders than using this paragraph. It is gold. Or in my case, it's emeralds because I love emeralds. This is an emerald. The paragraph is an emerald. I go through that paragraph and how I cue that paragraph. So if you have the paragraph that's available at the SIS membership Or from my book, Speech Sound Disorders, Comprehensive Evaluation and Treatment. You could get it from either of those venues. But I do show you the cues I use through the paragraph. So that is all free. Just go to kellyvest.com forward slash speech cues. That's kellyvest.com forward slash speech cues. Go right now. Go and download those for free. And you're going to get a lot of use out of them. They are awesome. These are the best cues that I've had for the last 20 years of refining my cues. Now, I encourage you to use your own cues, but they might give you some ideas on how you can modify your own cues to make them even more powerful. So, I want you to take all of this information from today, roll up your sleeves, make the world a better place, one child at a time. You're always going to be first.